Okay, you're listening to She Likes to Go Slow, and our podcast today features someone I know just a little bit, really, through Facebook, yeah. uh, Wendy Sarosky. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? Good. So we haven't Good. prepped anything for what we're going to talk about right. today, really, So, right. which I think is kind of fun and what yeah. I want this podcast to be like. So you're doing another sure. van cast with me, kind of inside the van, a little inside yeah. and outside because the weather's a little hot today. But um, Tell us the topic of, of why you reached out to be on the podcast. Well, you had mentioned uh, inspirational stories, and um, I, I gave a child up for adoption when I was uh, 17 years old, and um, what could have been just sort of a devastating, horrible thing to kind of start off one's almost adulthood, really mm-hmm. almost 18, um, really turned into kind of the, the driving force bet- behind my life now even, sure. and, um, and the kind of person I am and the, the choices that I've made, it just sort of kind of saved me sure. so it's inspirational to me so I thought other people might find inspiration in yeah. it yeah so. so it's going to be a story with a happy ending but I'm mm-hmm. sure obviously for you to get to that point in the beginning it wasn't probably a happy beginning right. so can we go back to what your life was like when you made sure. that decision sure yeah I, um, I actually graduated from high school early so I was 17 and I was uh, very involved in the Seattle music scene I did a lot of musical theater and I really thought that was where my life was going to go I was mm-hmm. going to end up doing that basically I didn't need to be famous but I wanted to do musical theater and and travel and and um I uh yeah and that's where I thought I was I was headed and I kind of had that goal for myself and um fell head over heels in love with the uh kind of at the height of the Seattle grunge scene uh with a uh several years older guy um than me and he was a musician also and I'd never had a boyfriend before that never had anything Mm -hmm. before that and uh uh, the first time we were together, I got pregnant. Wow. Yeah. Literally, I, that's my kind of luck, right? <laughs> so <laughs> um, I was raised in a really conservative Christian family, and um, that was not okay. Was your family there at the time as well? Uh-huh. They, well, they were around me, but mm-hmm. yeah. they. Uh, I'm an only child, so that was this was just on my parents, really just horrible. Um, anyway, thought I would be getting married to this guy, and um, he kind of just disappeared. So, um, my dad, who listens to Christian radio in Seattle, uh, heard about an adoption agency there, a Christian adoption agency, and um, he said, why don't you just go talk to him, you know, just get some information, just see what you think. And so, um, so I did. And I realized back then, they were just kind of starting open adoptions, so people could kind of exchange information mm-hmm. and photos, or you can kind of choose what you wanted. Sure. And... Um, I chose a family that uh, uh, we, my parents and I both looked at these files and files and files of people, and we all nar- narrowed them down to pretty much this one family. We both, we all kind of all three agreed that, oh, okay. that was the, it was, yeah, it was kind of neat. So we I didn't realize you would one. get to choose. Right. Interesting. Got to choose the family, and um, for many, many years, there were lots of birthdays and anniversaries and Mother's Days and things that were really hard, and um, trying to figure out where I fit in yeah. with my friends who hadn't had kids yet, mm-hmm. and, and here I'd had one, but I had to give her away. And, sure. Um, and, and let's go back to that. You're yeah, you're 17. You're 17 years old, and you've graduated, but you still have pretty strong influence of your family. Yes. So was that a decision? Do you think because of your age, did you make it for yourself, or your family influenced it, or? How? I think my family definitely influenced yeah. it. Um, however, I was just. I, I had nothing. I mean, I was 17, but didn't know how to do a load of laundry, you mm-hmm. know, I, I, and I, I had an awareness of that at, at one point. I can't tell you exactly when that happened, but 
I realized there's no way I can be a mom. And what was your life like? You see, you're right there now. in the middle of the Seattle grunge scene, and you're probably doing a lot of fun stuff. Every <laughs> a lot night. of partying, a lot of going and seeing shows, mm-hmm. and getting in places I shouldn't have been able to get into. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was it was play. It was playtime, is mm-hmm. what it was. So um, that's that's pretty much why I made that decision. It was just going to really uh, be a mess for me if I tried to be a mom. And later I figured out it wouldn't have been would have been way worse on her mm-hmm. <laughs> than it was for me right. and I tried to do that but um, you know I immediately tried to go to college because all of my friends were going and um, that's how I ended up in Idaho oh. was NNU mm-hmm. and what um, was your major uh, social work mm-hmm. yeah and because uh, of course I just went through this big event and I thought that's what I need to okay do. forget the music I mean I didn't, I didn't want to forget it but uh, my parents really thought sending me off to college was a good way to help me sort of get over this whole thing, right? <laughs> yeah, like that could ever happen. Right. And so, um, yeah, that didn't work out so hot because <laughs> I was just, you know, it's hard to grieve somebody that's alive. Yeah. You know, grieve, grieve the the absence of someone that's still still here. Sure. But I couldn't be around her. I couldn't see her. I couldn't. Wow. Couldn't be part of her life. So, so you're doing this uh, kind of a counseling degree to mm-hmm. um, help people like yourself Mm -hmm. yeah at the time that's what I that's what I thought sure and it it was good because I was getting some some information and learning a little bit about how to kind of cope with the decision that I'd made Um, and over the years um, I had friends like the friend that we have in common Brooke Mm -hmm. um, who would spend her birthdays with me and my daughter's birthdays with me and we'd you know do something special together to to honor that and um so when she was about 16, um, kind of fast forwarding a little bit, but I'd exchange letters and pictures with her and her, her adoptive parents were, were good with that. And they wrote me when she was about 16 and said, we just can't handle her constant questions and wanting to come <laughs> meet you. We don't need to wait till she's 18. Can yeah, we do it now? Nice. And so they came to Boise and, uh, and, uh, yeah. And we all met and, um, and Brooke got to meet her. So mm-hmm. this person that, you know, that she'd, uh, spent so many hours listening to me cry about uh, she finally got to meet her and um the funny thing was we discovered they were from Prosser Washington which at the time when my folks lived in Seattle I would stop for gas in Prosser Washington on my way to Seattle from Idaho uh-huh. and I it was just no a, idea a, no just a weird coincidence and so um because all the letters and pictures we'd exchanged were through the agency so, oh, so okay. I never had their address sure it was yeah. anonymous oops I'm sorry um That's fine. Thought I kicked you um anyway uh I want to go back to that that support that you had of your friends. So you're Mm -hmm. going along as you mature and hanging out with friends who have kids and probably looking at them going, wow, I could, this could be me right now. But Mm -hmm. instead of having you feel left out, they're doing this really supportive thing of helping you with parties and like celebrating Mother's Day. Mm -hmm. That's really awesome. Mm -hmm. I don't know if people do that, but what a great idea. Well, I had a good one friend in particular, but I had, I had some really good ones. Yeah. Um, And she, yeah, she was always the one that was saying get out of bed opening up my blinds and and um <laughs> you know and bringing me some flowers yeah. and let's go for a ride in the bus or whatever you know she was she was always sort of there being my my champion mm-hmm. and um there's a lot I couldn't have gotten through and I'm, I'm sure as you went that. through your years and you would tell people that you was there some shame and saying oh, I have a kid yes. but I what was that like yeah it well it, it it was hard well you didn't want to explain it 
I, I kind of went to extremes. I'd either blah and like tell everybody everything all at once. This, my name is Wendy, and I had a baby, you know, ten years ago, and I gave her up for adoption. Or I just wouldn't say. Yeah. You know, you're afraid you people kids? might think you're a monster or something because they don't know the situation. Or just not, you know, get that weird look yeah. on their face like they don't know what to say to me when I right. say that. So it's just uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. um, it took me having my son, and now that it's much later, of course, but um, when people say, "Do you have kids?" I can, I say, "Yeah, I have two. Mm -hmm. and um, so it, it's it's been a huge process that has, and and not really knowing, do I say I have two or do I say I have one? Right. And so. Um, so what was the the big reveal like? What was what was the day like when you finally got to meet? Oh, I, it's almost a it's almost a blur right now to me. Like to think of it, I'm glad there's pictures because it, it was just overwhelming for everyone. Um, we of all places met at Elmer's down. <laughs> well, I guess it's yeah over that way. Um, uh, Elmer's in Boise, and um, yeah, just weird. It, and it was like looking in a mirror, really, because really? she looks just like me, looks exactly like me. And um, and she's very involved in musical theater, which is <laughs> funny. And um, yeah, it was it was it was great. And so from that point on, you know, I really was able to. Different kinds of letters and pictures mm -hmm. were exchanged at that point because you're not doing it with a stranger anymore. And so. when she first met you and her other parents were along, mm -hmm. what were the questions? Do you remember some of the first questions? Um, a lot of health questions, like, um, you know, like female issues, like, do you mm -hmm. have this issue when, you know, every month when it happens with mm -hmm. you? Or, uh, um, yeah, and, and me, like, talking about music and the kinds of interests that we have, like, what are your interests? And, um, um, yeah, I'm having a hard time remembering. Um, I had my little boy by then, so honestly, he sort of broke the ice with a bunch of stuff because he was just running around and playing. And sure. Here was her little brother, so she was excited to meet him, uh -huh. too. And, um, yeah, it was kind of like that, I suppose. She so just, are you in full contact now? Yes, yeah, and she actually, um, this isn't the end of the story, but this is just a fantastic thing that she's doing on Saturday she's leaving to um, hike the Pacific Crest Trail oh, nice. I know <laughs> which is something I would have never had the guts to do um, but I'm starting to think I'm not too old maybe if she gets it and, and, and works it out this time and she wants to do it again we'll, we'll do it together or, or something, something. yeah oh, that would be a fantastic I would love to do that something that she and I could do together we've always wanted to do something like that mm -hmm. and I just I need to quit telling myself no that mm -hmm. I can't because I can. It's just going to mm -hmm. take some work if I want to do it. So, yeah. And the other parents are still being cool. So her her mom passed away several years ago oh, from breast cancer. Wow. Um, which which again was was a whole other kind of transition in our um, in our relationship. Mm -hmm. I thought it was going to be. It actually wasn't. I, I I thought ooh. So maybe now I'm I wonder wondering if I'm going to be sort of assuming the mom role at this point. Right. Because it's a very strange. Thing to be birth mom and and her have adoptive mom and it's it's like a friend or like a sister more mm -hmm. than it is like a mother daughter thing but now she's lost her mom mm -hmm. and it wasn't I was putting pressure on myself that way a little bit and it wasn't like that for her at all it was just this natural kind of transition into the things that she would have asked her mom about she's now calling me she lives in Washington so nice. there's some distance so that makes it a little difficult but yeah, we're definitely more close mm -hmm. than we ever were. How old is she? So she's 32. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And uh, what about the the dad? Is are you still in contact? So um, he uh, showed up just before she was born, um, and um, in Washington at the time, you really only had to publish in the paper. I think it was for a month, um, trying to identify 
who the birth father was or trying mm -hmm. to get him to come forward um, in order to make adoption proceedings mm -hmm. legal. And he never did. They published in the newspaper back then, and he never came forward. And so um, essentially gave up his rights that way. Sure. But he did show up right before she was born and held her. And, um, really? Yeah, and uh, went along with the whole decision that I had made. Um, although he said that he wasn't going to quite a few times, and so there was a little bit of rockiness that way, and, and it was scary for a little bit. But um, but he knew his yeah. addiction issues were way more, oh, way more powerful than his wow. ability to parent. And so, um, yeah, no, he's uh, he's still alive, and he actually lives about five miles from her. Hmm. And she has gone to see him but does not um, spend too much time because he's still doing the same kinds of things wow. that he was. Right, so. yeah, not a healthy relationship right. then. Right. So this story obviously has its happy ending, but what I kind of wanted to focus on, because not everyone does, there there are some people who aren't able to reach their people, or they reach them and they're maybe like the dad, they're they're not pleasant to be around mm -hmm. or don't want anything to do with them. So I kind of want to hear from you, especially with your your counseling background. Mm -hmm. I know you've probably studied some like attachment theory stuff. A little bit, yeah. What about these people who think it's their fault? This is who I want you to speak to. The people who don't get their mom coming back looking for them, they're like, what did I do wrong? Why didn't she want to be with me? There are two sides of the story, you know, and, and people would really love to hear what you were thinking. And, and, and I know you've got regrets about it. You were so lucky to have what you have now. but For sure. And, and I, I didn't always know that I was going to have that. Yes, we were able to exchange some letters and pictures, but it ultimately was up to her if she wanted to meet me. could have gone either way. It could have. And I, I lived my whole life not knowing for sure until she made that choice. And I guess what I would say to people is um, there are so many variables and factors that play into a person's decision to, to do this. Um, and every situation has got its own unique set of circumstances. And I don't know that I could tell somebody how not to feel um, abandoned or how Your not rejection. to feel rejected mm -hmm. for a, a parent or a birth child that, that doesn't come looking. I, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure how to make somebody cope with that, or help somebody not make somebody help somebody cope with that, um, other than to just get them to focus on the hundreds of different reasons why somebody might not be able to. And most likely, 99% it's not about them or anything they right. did, because there's no way people even knew them. Right. Exactly. And more and more, I think those situations are fewer. Um, because they do adoptions so differently now. And if you kind of go into it knowing that you're going to have an opportunity if you want to, to meet this person, that it's, that's on the table at the okay. get-go, you know? Yeah. And, um, and so people that go into those situations, whether adoptive parents or birth parents, I think they kind of know ahead of time that that's going to be a probable thing. You know, it's probably going to happen that they're going to connect at some point. Um, it's not like it used to be. My mom was actually adopted. Oh. And um, she got, my grandpa and grandma got her from a pastor at some church in Tacoma. Mm -hmm. I mean, and she knew nothing. Wow. So no no way to search at all because both my grandparents had passed by the time she was ready to start looking. But, mm -hmm. yeah, it's just different now. So I'm hoping that those kinds of situations where people don't get to find out or don't understand why, I'm hoping that that kind of gets more fewer and farther between you know yeah yeah people want to know what their background is right. so that's got to be helpful right and so let's just go back and recap a little bit tell me some fun stories from seattle music scene when the grunge <laughs> was going on um so i'm trying to think um 
have you ever been to Gasworks Park in yeah. Seattle? So mm -hmm. there used to be free concerts in the park, and so we got Soundgarden, and we got some Nirvana, and we got some Pearl Jam way back in the day. All for were, free. Yeah, all for free. And then, of course, there was Bumper Shoot, which there was, you know, tons and tons of um, good music. That's one of my biggest memories is Bumper Shoots every year. Yeah, I'm going go this year those. again. Oh, you're going to love it. it. Yeah, yeah. And, um... Yeah, this, growing up in Seattle, always a, it was the coolest. Um, the smell of rain now to me it just it takes me back, and it, it, even when it happens here in Boise, you know, I'm, that's what I think of. I think of being at home, and um, yeah, I think the free concerts in the park were the were the biggest memory that and that and bumper shoot sure yeah and i know you still have your toes a little bit into the music because uh, your son is pretty much a prodigy <laughs> thank you for saying that <laughs> yeah he um trying not to be the ultimate stage mom um he's he's yeah he's very very talented so and i come from a long line of um it's it's well, I'm trying to think. It's mostly on my dad's side. My mom played the piano and the accordion a little bit, but everybody were singers on my dad's side. So, yeah, it's genetic, I suppose. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, my daughter had it from her and from me and her dad. So yeah, that's so great that it trickled she, down. It did, and that she's yeah, and that she's been um, doing fun things with it too, and right. staying healthy about it because it is an industry that can easily take people down. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Wendy, thanks for sharing oh, your story. Oh, thank you for um, letting me and having me. I love yeah, it. Yeah, it's very encouraging. Thanks for uh, sharing a little shade in the van. Yes, yeah, thank you. And uh, for other people who are listening, if you have a story to tell, just get a hold of us. Uh, we, you can find us now if you just do a Google search for She Likes to Go Slow or She Likes to Go Slow podcast. And we're doing these about every couple of weeks with uh, just some regular people and once in a while an author or musician. So um, make sure you sign up and subscribe. We've got um, all kinds of subscription places to, uh, to do that through Stitcher and... Apple and uh, several different things are on the front page of the website. She likes to go slow.com. So thank you, Wendy. Thank you. Thank you very much.